This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hi, it's Kate, and I'm back with another one of our greatest hits. Last week, we explored how to figure out if it's the right time to quit your job. But even if you didn't intentionally find yourself looking for work, you'll need to spruce up your resume before you do anything else. So take a listen to this episode from the summer of 2019, where my former co-host Anissa and I go through some of the most common resume mistakes and debunk some of the most common resume advice. So when I was starting out, I probably made all of the classic resume mistakes in my 20s. Typos, including basic skills like Microsoft Office, um, using passive verbs like helped to describe my job duties. And early on when I was sending out like hundreds of resumes, I know that I used the exact same resume no matter what the job was. How about you, Anissa? Did you, what are your most cringeworthy resume mistakes? I can think of a couple, although there might be more because, you know, in those instances, the hiring manager never got back to me. So I don't know what my mistake was. But very early in my career, I think I put an objective statement, which makes me cringe so much now <laughs> I, I hate just those. thinking about it. Because companies don't care what I want. They want someone to, who can do the job. Well, your objective, I always say the objective is to get the job you're applying for. Exactly. <laughs> I also went through a phase very, very early in my career where I tried to make my resume all pretty and use fancy formatting. And in hindsight, that was a total waste of time. This is season three of Secrets of the Most Productive People, a podcast where we try to figure out how to work smarter instead of harder. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. And I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor, Anissa purvisari Horan. This season, we're diving deep into all things career-related, starting with the most basic tool to get your foot in the door, your resume. What are some resume mistakes you should stay away from? Are there any common advice you've unknowingly followed that hiring managers and recruiters actually really hate? And then I'm going to debate my boss, Fast Company Editor-in-Chief Stephanie Mehta, about one of the most common pieces of advice, that resumes should always be one page. So as I mentioned, earlier in my career, I applied for hundreds of jobs. I moved to New York from Michigan to pursue journalism, and my college in Michigan didn't have an alumni network, and my internships had been at local Michigan newspapers, so I had really no connections and even more so no clue of how to go about getting my foot in the door other than to scour job boards and mastheads and send out tons and tons of resumes. Needless to say, it took a while to land my first magazine job. My God, honestly, thinking about sending resumes to apply for jobs just fills me with anxiety. And even today, when I have to update it for something like being on a panel or submitting an award, I end up spending so long tinkering with it because it's a no-no to submit a boilerplate one, right? Yeah, in general, you should tailor your resume to the job that you're applying for and certainly to the field. I know that you were a lawyer before, so your law resume and your journalism resume are vastly different. Yes, very. And And this has come up a lot in our coverage too. The HR director of Breezy HR told Fast Company that recruiters can spot a cookie cutter resume a mile away and that for every resume that she finds compelling and thoughtfully crafted, there's about 15 that are generic, run-of-the-mill, copy and pasted from somewhere else. 
And when you've got hundreds or even thousands of resumes to sift through, that's an easy reason to reject somebody. Yeah. And speaking of rejecting someone, Andrew Fennell, a Fast Company contributor and recruiter, said that one of the mistakes he sees people make is not paying attention to the top half of the resume. So he calls this above the fold, which is the part of your resume recruiters see when they open up your Word or PDF file without having to scroll down. So he suggests that one way to jazz it up is to strip out any cliched skills that don't impress anyone. So say, you know, teamwork, communication, and instead put industry-specific ones that reflect the need of target employers. Yeah, so there's this stat that comes up a lot that recruiters and hiring managers only spend about seven seconds looking at each resume. Each time I've done a round of hiring, I've looked at around 200 to 300 resumes for each role. And of course, I've never timed how long I've spent on each resume, but it probably does take me less than a minute of scanning to decide which pile it goes in. And a lot of things factor into that. Elements of the formatting certainly impacts how much relevant information jumps out. And to that contributor's point, the placement of the information. For example, I say that even if you're just out of college, your education shouldn't be up top. Your experience should be. Yeah, I can understand that. And here's another mistake that I hear hiring managers often complain about. Resumes that are vague. So people don't make it clear what their job actually is and what they've accomplished. Say, if you're like the happiness ninja in the company, no one else but your company, and maybe a small set of group will know what that even means and what you've accomplished. So you need to put a title that your prospective employer will be familiar with and wherever possible, you need to quantify your achievements. So maybe you reduce turnover by X percent, drove engagement up by Y percent, whatever it is, you want it to be as specific as possible. Next, we'll be hearing Kate talk to Fast Company's editor-in-chief, Stephanie Meta about whether or not you should keep your resume to one page. So I'm here with Stephanie Mehta, the editor-in-chief of Fast Company. She is my boss, and we are here to debate the idea of a resume being one page versus two page. Thanks for joining me, Stephanie. Thanks for having me, Kate. Stephanie is taking the pro stance, the pro one page camp. I'm taking the maybe, I guess, controversial stance of it doesn't have to be one page. So, Stephanie, since you're in the majority, I think, why do you think that a resume has to be only one page or should be? Let me start out by saying that I don't view a resume as the application for the job. I view a resume as an application for the interview. So at least in the case of most of the resumes I'm looking at, I'm really not looking at this person as yes or no to hire. It's yes or no to interview. So if you can't convince me that you're worth interviewing in one page, again, we're in the communications business. I feel like if you can't communicate your value and your worth in one page, you're probably not a good candidate for a job in journalism. That's true. Like you you have to be able to say things quickly and shortly, you know, obviously as a journalist. There's this statistic that that goes around a lot that recruiters spend 7.4 seconds on a resume. I don't think that I've ever, like, I think I probably spend a minute or two at least. Do you, how long do you think you spend? I probably spend at least a minute probably longer. And again, if it's somebody who has a qualification that really stands out for the job for which I'm hiring, I don't really need a ton of excess information. You know, if people who've been doing journalism for 25 years can get their resume on one page, there's no reason that someone who's two years out of school can't tell me what they've done and accomplished in a page or less. See, and that's why that's where my personal split comes is I feel like if you're a couple years out of college or a couple years into the field, like, of course, your resume should be on one page. Like you're padding it with a lot of fluff, probably, if you're putting it on two pages. But when you've had like a 25 year career, I think it's pretty hard to fit it all on one page. I'm of the mindset that like the longer you've been, 
it's kind of a bad thing if it's just one page. Like, you really haven't done that much in 25 years that you can fit it all in just one page. I just think if you are trying to communicate a particular set of skills for a job, maybe what you really need are three different one-page resumes if your career is that varied and vast. Because, you know, again, depending on the job you're applying for or the recruiter you're trying to impress, it just seems unusual to me that you would need to include every twist and turn and every sort of job change that you've gone through. There's a way that you can, I think, summarize a big part of your career, especially if you've been at the same place for a long long period of time. I mean, that's a question that we've heard a lot of, of like, when you've had a long career, like, where do you cut it off? And, And my belief in what I've heard from recruiters is anything older than 10 or 15 years isn't relevant, especially the way technology moves. You know, what you did in the early 90s, especially the details of that job, aren't going to be very relevant to what you're going to be doing in your job now. So I can certainly see that of like summarizing the older work experience. You know, the thing I will say um, in favor of including more information, not less, but still on one page, (laughs) would be you never know what connection you will form with the recruiter or the person looking at your resume. And so even though it's been 20 years since I've worked at the Wall Street Journal and I was a cub reporter there, I still put that on my Mm -hmm. resume just because in the world of business journalism, a lot of people have been through the halls of the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. You never know if that might catch someone's eye. But you probably put it on just with one line or something. You don't describe all of the, the things Correct. you did Correct. I just yeah. do, I just say the years I was yeah. there and my job titles. Yeah. So I'm coming armed with facts so that I can win this debate. There was a study last year that recruiters actually spend longer on two-page resumes. And in certain fields, especially the person benefits from having a longer resume, from having a two-page resume. And it, it hurts them if it's one page. It was different fields like uh, academia, um, I think science, medicine, business, it hurt if you had a longer resume. And it sounds like what you're saying is that like in journalism, your view is that it hurts because it kind of shows that you can't edit yourself. Do you think that like there's some fields that are better for two res- two page resumes or it's a hard and fast rule? I would say we are talking about resumes. We didn't say that this debate was about CVs, <laughs> curriculum versus. True, so true, if true. we were talking about CVs and the academic world, I would bend my rules a little bit because the world of academia is different and they don't even call it a resume. They call it a CV. So certainly for academics, scientists, Mm -hmm. there probably is some value to having a longer document. But again, I'm I'm gonna call a technicality mm-hmm. on this because we said resume. Well, I we think, didn't I say think, CV. Okay, fair enough. But I do think that it wasn't just those CV sort of fields. I think it was other fields. Um, but I think you, I'll give you points in that. Yeah, for journalism, I can see it making sense in the like you can't edit yourself. How are you going to? You know, what does that say about your skills to edit other forms of writing? Um, I will confess, my resume is more than one page. I don't know. I think like the formatting becomes an issue and how I would I'd be interested to hear how you feel about that because I find that a lot of times for people to fit it into one page, they'll make super small fonts or really like mess with the margins or whatever. Wouldn't you prefer a spaced out, easier to read document that's on two pages? That's a good point. I'd probably prefer something that's cleaner and easier to read across two pages. But again, 
I've been doing this for 25 years. I can definitely fit everything onto one page. So, um, and actually, I spent a lot of my career at two or three places, but I've also had, I think, a a reasonable number of job changes. I will say, as an aside, the funky formatting is problematic. And this is probably revealing my age, as is my preference for one-page resumes, (laughs) because I think that the consensus in favor of one-page resumes, certainly here in the office, tends to be among people of a certain age. But the thing that drives me crazy are the like newfangled formats with yes. like columns and photography and artwork yep. and social media handles all over the place. Like I much prefer just the facts, ma'am. Yes. On that we can agree. The two-page resume sometimes is a boon for applicant tracking systems because they're not looking at how many pages it is. They're looking for keywords. And if you can get more keywords in on your longer resume... Which is also, it is, I think you're right in that the one-page resume view is an older school of thought that people are moving beyond. Some people who are actually even recent grads will have longer resumes because they're putting things like internships and gap years and, and different experiences on there. So they're filling it out with valuable stuff, not just, you know, fluff. And I think a lot of people don't really care as much anymore about the physical paper. So maybe like turning a page on of a two-page resume is annoying. But when it's scrolling, like maybe you're not paying attention to the, the length as much. Well, and to your point, Kate, maybe the resume eventually just goes away because technology is making it such that people are really filling out more information into a job application mm-hmm. form. There's fields. The machine doesn't really care about the format. They just want the information. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I could see a day where actually it becomes not even a one-page resume, but a Mm no-page resume. I win. (laughs) Then, yes, then exactly. Then you win. I mean, I think, I honestly think that the cover letter will probably die before the resume. I think this debate will will sound dated a few years from now even. Like one-page versus two-page, what's a page? Right, right, for sure. This episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People is brought to you by Citrix. Whether it's creating habits that stick or finding ways to be more productive, we're always looking for ways to fine-tune ourselves. Learning, growing, evolving. So is Citrix. Citrix digital workspaces are flexible and adaptable and give you easy access to the files and apps you need to do your best work, wherever you do your best work, and make any space your happy workspace. Learn more at citrix.com slash fastco. We want to hear from you in future episodes. What's bugging you about the job hunt? What's the career questions that Google can't help you out with? Leave us a voicemail at 201-371-FAST. That's 201-371-3278. And we will find an expert to answer your questions. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. And now we'll be answering questions from our listeners about some resumes, do's and don'ts. Hi, I'm Anna. I have a question. I am working on my resume and I've heard that HR departments use all this technology to skim the thousands of resumes they receive. How do I format my resume to make it past those robots? Yeah, so this is where simplicity really does make a difference. It is true because human resources department gets thousands and, you know, some tens of thousands resumes, they do need a way to filter it. And this is where you should stop putting your fancy job titles, 
put all the quantifiable achievements in terms that your industry understands and just keep it simple. So avoid any sort of fancy formatting because when a robot scans through it, they might not see all the fancy formatting. All they're going to see is a bunch of empty text. So it's about keeping it simple. And of course, another thing you can do is make contacts with the HR manager so that you don't have to have your resume go through the robots. I agree. And my other advice I would give is to never write it to like to whom it may concern, like find a person to send it to because it is your goal is to get it in front of a real person. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with LinkedIn and the Internet, it should be pretty easy to find out. Even if it's not the right person, usually sometimes multiple people review resumes. If you find a contact person that you know is either the hire manager on that team or on the human resources, that's going to, you know, that's going to get you much further than just if you put their sir or madam to whom it may concern. But that said, like, you should follow the instructions. And if it says you need to submit your resume through the portal or whatever, Mm -hmm. you should do it. And you're 100% right that you should not only not use Happiness Ninja or whatever, like, weird title your job may have come up with, but also try to make your titles match And also your keywords match the type of language that they use in the job description. So if they are looking for a project manager and you were a project manager, but it was called something slightly different, like put the words project manager in because the the robots are scanning for those particular words and how many matches for those words they can find. Hi. So I have some sort of shorter freelance jobs on my resume and they are short, but I can kind of explain in an interview why they are the length that they are, but I'm worried that they're going to be a red flag on a resume if I put that I was only there for a few months or something like that. And I don't know if I should just put the year or what I should put in terms of the time that I did that job. You shouldn't, you know, pretend that you were somewhere longer than you um, were. But if it really looks like a short um, period of time, I understand that you don't, you know, that's maybe not necessarily a good thing. So you could put something like summer of 2019 or something to kind of vague it up a little bit. But really, you should be upfront, and that's that's where your your cover letter comes in. Is you should be upfront in your cover letter and explaining why it was a short tenure. Like, I moved from this job to this job because there was a great opportunity, or I had to like move places or whatever. Obviously, don't belabor it and put a positive spin on it, but address it. Don't think that they won't notice. So I'm looking for a new job, and I'm applying to a bunch of different places. Can I use the same resume for all of these different applications? I mean, go ahead. Sure. Yes. <laughs> you can. See how, tell us how that goes. It's not against the law, but um, yeah, probably not a great idea. Yeah, it's not a great idea because even if it's in the same industry, they might every every job that you apply for probably requires slightly different skills and qualifications and even experience. And, you know, you're not going to put every single experience and every single project you work for. And that's where tailoring a resume, you know, can come in handy like when people say that you should use a different resume it doesn't necessarily mean you have to start it from scratch but you do an analyze it and think okay which part of this is more relevant to job a because this project is more relevant to what that job requires and which which part is not so relevant and i can add something else that's you know maybe more in tune with what they're looking for yeah exactly like and you look and you look can look for clues in that in the job description. So if they talk about, say, wanting a lot of media appearances or really valuing awards or really valuing like revenue generation, like maybe other jobs don't care about that as much. And so you put it like down lower on your resume, like, by the way, extra things are won these awards and I make media appearances. But if that job thinks it's important, like put that up higher on your resume. So it's just 
sometimes just moving a little things around or changing a few things, not like a total revamp. Yeah. And it's about just highlighting the relevant experience. Like in a lot of jobs, you probably do more than one thing. And then if you're going to specialize in, you know, one of those things, then you want to highlight that experience and maybe not so much the other. Hey guys, uh, I'm updating my resume and I'm having a hard time which things I could take off of it. What are some of the things you recommend I could leave off? So I feel very passionately about this. You do not need a summary or an objective statement. I don't know where this trend started. Um, I have never heard anybody say that it's a good thing on all of the recruiters we've talked to. As I always say, and, and you know, we mentioned earlier, your objective is to get the job that you are applying for. So it's just kind of wasted space, especially because you're, you're um Resume real estate is really, really valuable. You know, you want to uh, spend that space. And, and like Anissa was talking about that, like above the fold space, especially on really important things. I also think it always bothers me when people put their mailing address because I'm like, I, I mean, I get the like the putting New York, New York, if you want to show that you are a local candidate, especially if it says, you know, the job is based in New York. But I don't know why you need to know like your street address. Like that just seems wasted space to me. Yeah. Also, from an you know candidate's perspective, do you really want a lot of recruiters knowing where you live? <laughs> You're like, hmm, how much do they spend on their rent? Let me look it up. But I mean, well, it's, but what you should put up there, and it gets it's annoying if people don't put it, is like a link to your website or your Twitter or your LinkedIn. Like, don't make it's helpful to just have that because you do look at it on screen and then you can just click on it because, like, otherwise, I'm going to Google you and I'm going to have to like search myself. So, direct them to the right stuff, you know? I've been in the workforce for over 20 years. What things should I take off my resume? So, yeah, this happens a lot. And this, and so this is my feeling. And it, we got into it with the debate of the longer you've been in your career, the longer your resume is going to be, right? Like it's harder to fit it into one page when you have been in the workforce for over 20 years. But that said, there's a lot of recruiters uh, that believe that anything you've done, especially the, with the way technology moves now, that anything you've done 15 years ago isn't really relevant, especially because technology changes so much um, and the types of jobs. So if you're reluctant to leave a job off completely, I would say give the most details for the most recent jobs. And then after they get about 10 years old or so, make those entries really short. Maybe just say the, the position and the company and like one line. And right now it's time for our You Might Want to Write This Down segment. So press pause and get a pen ready because you might want to write this down. The three biggest resume mistakes to avoid. Number one, using the same resume for multiple jobs. Yes, it's much easier to send one resume to 100 job postings, but you'll probably have a better chance statistically if you send your 10 or 20 resumes that are tailored to each company and job description. When recruiters go through your resume, they're looking for reasons to say no. If you give them a cookie cutter one, that's a strong reason for them to move yours to the no pile. Number two, not making it easy for recruiters to skim your resume. Recruiters spend on average 7.4 seconds skimming your resume, so you want to make sure that they know your point of difference. Don't stuff too many keywords or put generic skills at the top. Instead, make sure you highlight your skills and quantifiable achievements on the top half so that they want to keep scrolling down. Chances are they're reading on a screen. Number three, making your resume vague. Don't put your trendy job title that no one understands and make sure that you include quantifiable achievements in your resume. It's milestones and figures that will make recruiters want to move you along to the next stage of the hiring process. And that's it for this week's episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. Next, we'll be tackling cover letters and your online presence. Leave a voicemail with your question at 201 37 3278. 
and you might be featured on an upcoming episode. Join in the conversation using the hashtag FCMostProductive. What are some of your most cringeworthy resume mistakes that you've made? If you're a hiring manager, what are some mistakes that you see over and over that you wish candidates would stop making? If this episode was helpful to you in your job search, please let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversation. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Daniel Roth.